What do you get when you cross Facebook with robots? I, I don't know, Tim. What do you get? Ron's gone wrong. That's what we're talking about today. Well, my name's Tim. I'm a data engineer, and I'm an eternal optimist. Hi, Tim. I'm Matthew, and this week I've decided to be a surrealist. Okay, well, it's going to be an interesting week on this episode of... Kill All Humans. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, on today's episode, we are talking about a little, I think it's a Disney, was it a Disney movie or Pixar? It's like yeah, one of those nice, see, I, I don't have Pixar or something. Yeah. yeah. I don't have children, so I don't really pay attention. So it's really awesome when these movies come to my attention. It's called Ron's Gone Wrong. It's this amazing animated film about a society who's completely obsessed like the kids are obsessed with the latest toy in this case robots that are really just a stand-in for all sorts of cell phones social media all sorts of devices uh constantly being connected to social media constantly streaming you have to have the best device and one poor kid didn't get a robot but his parents managed to buy one while his dad and his grandmother managed to buy one off the back of a truck that fell off and this thing is very defective or really effective depending on your perspective that's right tim and so the whole movie is about his little adventures with his new best friend this uh somewhat defective robot and all the shenanigans they get up to absolutely so you get to see a lot of great themes in this film if you haven't seen it okay go pause go watch it Come back. So there's lots of different themes in this movie to explore, and we've done a lot of things. So, for example, we've talked about what is what is artificial intelligence, what is what is sentience, that sort of thing. But one thing we haven't really touched on is one of the core themes of this movie, which is social media. What is it? How it works? What sort of implications we have in real life? And again, sort of what the it's starting to creep into uh, not only to our daily lives, like I'm a Facebook addict, but it's also cre creeping into our cultural references. And it's becoming more and more increasingly more and more part of our kids' lives. Right. And on the face of it, it's an incredibly simple thing. You just have this feed of information that is given to you on a website, and it makes recommendations for either – other people you would like, like, you know, which friends should you connect with or groups that you should connect with or, or things like that. At, at the face of it, it seems really, really simple. But I think that when you start researching it, um, the underlying algorithms which drive this news feed is actually incredibly complicated. Absolutely. And that's something I do want to take a moment and explore with our audience here. We hear a lot of these term algorithms. Algorithms, there's a Facebook algorithm that does this, it does that. But let's break it down. So first of all, Matthew, can you just give us a very quick Reader's Digest? What is an algorithm, just in general? Right. An algorithm is a series of steps or directions for how to do something and, and a way of doing it in a repeatable way. So you can think about it as like a cookbook is, is a series of algorithms. You want to make a cake. Well, there's an algorithm for making a cake. You have a recipe, you have instructions. It's basically an algorithm. 
great. Now I'm hungry. So let's talk a little bit about how Facebook uses algorithms. So when people talk about the Facebook algorithm, what we need to understand, first of all, there is not one algorithm. Now, I'm picking on Facebook quite a bit because Facebook, one, has been in the media quite a bit about the algorithm. So I'll pick on Facebook, but really all social media or this social-driven content algorithm. Let me me stop you there because in in preparation for this episode, I I did a lot of research. And if you Google Facebook and algorithm and you try to – Look at it. They, they, Google tells you there's just one Facebook algorithm, and it's one very complex algorithm for describing and controlling how the news feeds work. Now, I know that there has to be more than that. Of course. But like the research just says that there is one algorithm. I mean, like, and, and we know that's not true because it can't do everything. Like, Absolutely it can't not. recommend your friends and your news media articles at the same time. But I, I just think it's really interesting to point out that if you research this, you, you come up with a unified view of something very simple and very quaint, which I'm betting you're going to tell me doesn't tell the whole picture. Absolutely didn't tell the whole picture because best way I heard it described is that almost think of it like a layer cake of algorithms. All right. So think about it like a selection algorithm. So first thing to remember is that Facebook is not a product you're consuming. You are the product that advertisers are consuming. So that, I'm not saying that's wrong or immoral or anything like that in of itself. You don't pay for it. So at some point, someone's got to pay for it. It turns out you're the product being advertised too. It's like broadcast television. This model's been around forever and ever. Uh, two, Facebook has an incentive to keep you engaged on their platform. So whenever you leave their platform, whenever you eyeballs leave Facebook, you are not uh, making Facebook any money. So they have, one, an incentive to push ads at you, two, an incentive to make sure that your eyeballs are glued on their platform. So you go into the media, and the media says Facebook is bad, like with a B, capital B, double A, a D, and all of that. So my question for you is, we have this algorithm or, or layer cake of algorithms. How much control does this algorithm give over the impacts on the users now, who, of course, you have defined as the product. But like, I really want to break this down and I want to be very careful. And we lay this out for our users because like, is social media itself harmful? Is it the algorithm choices that we make are harmful? Or is it something that Facebook is just doing on top of that because they're a bunch of greedy bastards? (laughs) I mean, the harms are unequivocal, but I think it's more important to say, hey, where are these harms coming from? Uh, so, I mean, really, you you start getting into sort of the crux of it uh, a little bit where we say, OK, where are the harms coming from? I, I think you can argue there's a combination of all factors here. But really, at the end of the day, you have choices that are designed to create an experience that is engaging to the audience, but in such a way that they're staying engaged on the platform to deliver maximum value. So, I mean, I would say they're a bunch of greedy bastards might be a bit of an oversimplification because really at the end of the day, they're a corporation. They are not a public service. They are there to make deliver money and deliver value for shareholders. That is what they, that's what they're supposed to do. So really at the end of the day, when they make these decisions, it's not to your benefit, it's to their benefit, which again, I'm not saying there's a moral problem with. I'm just saying, this is how capitalism works. Now, you can argue about capitalism, but that's a bit of a red herring. So if you think about this, when they have an algorithm, it's really just sort of a layer of algorithms. They can adjust, they can tweak, they can do certain things on. Another thing to recognize is that Facebook probably knows more about you than probably your mother or your spouse at this point. That's okay. That's what they're designed to do. So you have your first layer of algorithm that basically says, okay, what we're going to do is that we are going to pick 
every piece of relevant content out there. If this content is eligible for your eyeballs, we are going to scoop it up and grab it. Algorithm number two, the next layer on top of that, I'll just say it's algorithm number two. I know there's multiple ones at play. Two, what they're going to do is they're going to find the most relevant content for you. So rather than all eligible content on the platform, they're going to look, okay, who are your connections? What are your interests? Who do you follow? What groups are you in? So all of a sudden having millions upon millions of millions of records that we can pull, now we've filtered it down to say maybe a couple hundred thousand. From there, what they're going to do is they're going to take another another stab at it and say, okay, now what we need to do is find the stuff that's fresh. We need to find stuff that's trending. We need to find stuff that's relevant. So what they do is now, instead of a couple hundred thousand going all the way back from time immemorial, now we say now we have a couple hundred things we can throw at your eyeballs. Now, this that is all very simple. That's just data 101. How yeah, we it honestly this. sounds very innocuous. I'm not yeah. hearing anything which raises any alarm bells for me. Now, now it's time for the alarm bells. Okay. So next one is, is that, okay, now we need to shove ads at you. So what ads based off of your interests? Okay, not too alarming yet, but we need to show you ads. Now, an interesting fact, an interesting statistic is that the average American, uh, I don't know what the stats are for Canadians, but the average American spends, I believe, 4.2 minutes on average on Facebook uh, per session. That's a little bit higher than the rest of the world average, but not by a whole lot. So we'll say about four minutes. So what Facebook is going to do is this is the eligible content. These are the ads we want to show you. How do we get you to stay longer than four minutes on our platform. So what they have to do is they have to say, okay, how are we going to engage you? How are we going to structure the content? How are we going to filter the content? How are we going to order it in a way that's going to keep you engaged, keep you scrolling, keep you clicking? And it is in that part of the algorithm where they start tweaking it a, a bit more. And this is where they found in the, from the ex Facebook employee, they sort of found out that, wait a second, you know, what drives clicks love, like, you know, positive emotions, but they found out negative emotion drives more interaction with their platform and keeps you there longer. So what is a good data analyst, data scientist to do? What's a good data engineer, a platform engineer to do? They're going to take whatever means necessary to keep you on their platform longer. So by doing this, by driving anything, anything at all that's going to keep you on the platform, positive or negative, they're going to keep you scrolling because at the end of the day, they don't really care about your mental health. That's not really their job to do so. They care about keeping you on the platform and negativity they found keeps you on the platform even longer. And the other thing they do is they look at the other little psychological cues. Ever notice if you're on Facebook and or you can say LinkedIn or any other thing that you checked your alerts, you checked your notifications, the notification bells off. Uh, about five minutes later, a new notification pops up from something you saw a day or two ago. They've timed that thing precisely. Say, oh, I, he's he's losing interest. He's losing interest. Boom. Here's a notification to suck you back in. So rather than letting your attention span wander off, they're going to find whatever they can at that moment, whatever they've adjusted to, because they can adjust the, and tweak these algorithms depending on who you are, what your interests are, what time of day it is. These are sophisticated algorithms that can do all these things. So we're the nefarious part comes in, not in selecting content, not in selecting network, but in the way that they do so that drives the maximum engagement on the platform. And I think that's where, when we talk about maximum engagement on the platform, we've started to get into a bit of trouble. Okay, I can see that. Let me, let me take a step back for our viewers, because I think I can give a more concrete example, which will help them understand the dangers in what you're talking about. 
McDonald's got into a lot of trouble. This was about a decade or two ago for uh, revelations on their food sites. And the controversy that came up and, and the part that people didn't really understand at the time was if McDonald's is as truly terrible as their own food science says, how are they still in business? How is it good business to kill your customer? And this was the, the debate that became framed out because that was ultimately when all of these revelations came out and the way they were studying food and its effects on the body, McDonald's made the argument that it's not good business to kill off your customer. And it turns out that that was totally wrong <laughs> and provably wrong. It, it turns out it actually can be very good business from a capitalistic standpoint to kill your customer as long as you do it slowly. Exactly. And the second thing is you have to foment addiction. Mm -hmm. This is why gambling is so nefarious because it is an addiction, the energy, the excitement, the experience. And so I think that that's where we start getting back to here where I think that Simply in driving that experience, one can argue, perhaps, and I think you're going to go ahead. I'll let you. I'll let you do it. <laughs> oh, no, and that is exactly. And we go into this film. Uh, and the reason why we pick. Uh, the reason why I want to talk about this topic specifically, there's some really negative interactions uh, when it comes to social media. Uh, so there's this one girl who uh, I won't get too far into the movie, but basically she winds up doing something embarrassing, and then her nickname becomes Poop Girl. And you well, see I think her. we can actually spell it out for our viewers. If they haven't actually seen the okay. movie by now, that's your fault for listening to this podcast. <laughs> I want to be absolutely clear about that. Basically, the robots all combine together to make a giant robot. She gets grabbed up, and then she gets pooped out of the robot. And it was streaming online. And here's the thing. She becomes – she was trying to become a social media star, and she was very, very aware of the clicks and engagement she was getting. Now, the problem is, is that when she became Poop Girl, it went viral. It trended. And there's so many scenes of her just sitting there sobbing, watching – uh, poop girl remixes, poop girl, uh, all sort of stuff. And this is a pure example of how negative emotion can be just as addicting and engaging as positive emotion. And this, there's a reason why we don't let children gamble. There's a reason why, uh, in you go, you play these online games where they have things like loot crates and things like that. Uh, Fortnite's a good example where they used to do this. Uh, in the EU, they called it gambling because it had the same psychological effect of gambling. Um, now, in the case of loot crates, of course, there was a, a randomness element. But again, the same part that makes you want to eat McDonald's, the same thing does to your brain when you gamble, is the same thing uh, that Facebook and social media companies are exploiting. And it becomes very dangerous, especially to young minds. No, I, I think there's, there's, there's some reality in that. I think we're all susceptible to it. I know that I use my cell phone way more often than I did 10 years ago, that it is that this presence of just merely having this screen with content or with anything is an inherently addicting quality. And so at some level, when we go back to the basic breakdown, yeah, there's probably harm to social media platform spirit. It's not a natural way to interact with people. But I think the clear thing and the message for people is that, you know, you hear in the news, about Facebook being a very bad company. And I, and I honestly happen to agree with the news in this case. I'll come right out and say it. Facebook Look, is not one of Cambridge our sponsors. Analytical skin, Facebook is definitely not one of our sponsors and will never be a sponsor. I just want to be absolutely clear about that. Well, Look, we can talk. 
No, I'm joking. <laughs> we can talk. All right, we, we will. Play. Hey, if they ever sponsor us after this episode, sure, why not? We'll take hey, their money. N- n- never, never say no unless they show up with a check, all right? <laughs> you're right. You're right. You're right. I, I stand corrected. Uh, but, anyway. Yeah. Right. No, but I mean, like, you know, they've, they've been through a lot of bad press for deliberate choices, like doing psychological experiments on their clients with uh, without human uh, authorization to conduct human experimentation. There was Cambridge Analytica. They've been associated with genocide in a couple different country cases and, and, you know, repression of political groups and activist groups. But these were all conscious choices. I think what's more interesting here is to get into the stuff that we do, that when you start thinking about the subtleties, the algorithm, there is nothing without consequence. And so if you take all the really big shit that Facebook has done and you take it away, it's still incredibly harmful. Yeah, I agree. And I'm looking at it from the perspective of, okay, does this make Facebook or social media in general inherently bad, inherently evil? And this is where we may have a bit of disagreement. I don't think there's any sort of inherent nature to to it being good or bad. But the thing, the problem is, is that you hit the nail on the head when we don't have informed consent on this stuff. Like if we knew the – honestly, if I knew about Facebook now – what uh sorry if i knew 10 12 years ago when i first signed up 15 years ago whatever i signed up for facebook if i knew what would become now i never would have touched it i never would have touched it and i think you can and the only other group of people that i could think of who have the same sort of mentality are smokers like if i knew that i would have emphysema 15 years ago i wouldn't have started smoking and and i think you know there's a very real problem when we start looking at something as innocuous as cat videos on the internet with the same problems as smoking i i think though that's only part of the problem so for me what i think the bigger issue here is like, and i and i agree with that but but i think the larger issue is that there's the law of unintended consequences So you have a world that is inherently becoming much more complicated, much more complex. Making these kinds of decisions are are hard. Let's take, assume that Facebook were behaving in a way that was altruistically. It's actually really hard to understand. Like, you know, your boss comes to you and says, well, we need to drive up the advertising numbers so this platform will be profitable. And really understanding necessarily that, um, that, that what the consequences of that going to be. Because like just simply by increasing the flow through a clicks, you are altering people's brains and you're altering people's brains in a very, very permanent way. And that's not an easy thing to foresee. Now, I don't let Facebook off the hook with that easy a defense. Oh, we just didn't know. We couldn't see. It was too complicated because there's a second factor at play when it comes to um, these types of algorithms, these types of decisions that are being made by major corporations. And we actually see it in the movie too. And that is the tendency to hide the truth. Mm-hmm. So when it becomes clear in the movie that this algorithm has gone wrong, that there's a problem with the product, what does the company do? It doesn't come forward and say, look, oh, we need to update ourselves. We're going to come publicly that there was a problem. No. They switch on every surveillance device in the camera, and they do everything they possibly can to hide the truth of the problems with their their product and their underlying algorithm. And this is a story we see time and time again. Mm-hmm. When did cigarette companies know that smoking causes cancer? Way before they told everyone else. <laughs> Somewhere around the 1950s. I mean, if not sooner. I mean, like, but we're talking like 70 years ago, decades before yeah. 
there. When did the oil companies know that leaded gasoline causes problems to the gasoline? Again, decades before, you know, that, that anything was actually revealed. When were oil companies aware that greenhouse gases were a problem? Again, decades before they revealed the truth and the truth came out. And even when the truth is out, these companies have gone to great lengths to protect their algorithms and their property and, and defend these decisions and, and cover them up. And I think that that really points the need for transparency and the requirement of very stringent levels of transparency as this world gets more complicated and the algorithms get more complicated. I want to see laws which really force these companies to be much more transparent about the consequences of their choices. And on that point, I, I wholeheartedly agree. So we're actually getting, believe it or not, we're starting to wrap up. So we do need to get to that point where we give our, our Ron's Gone Wrong a Turing score. All right. So uh, if for our listeners, the, the Turing score we give every movie or every TV show we watch, uh, I go out of five, Matthew goes out of five. And what we do is we say we rate it on realism. Like, how realistic is this? Uh, and it, it's a it's a very objective score, of course. Uh, but we go out of, of five course. and absolutely objective, scientifically backed with uh, criteria and uh, calibration support. Scientifically backed by gut instinct. Double blind yeah. studies uh, validate our, our Turing scores. <laughs> okay, so for this one, I'm actually going to actually rate it relatively high. I'm just going to lose a couple points. Uh, it's going to lose a point uh, for certain things because the one thing that just tweaks me is when they when they do things like there's a scene they go in we have to go into the cloud where's the cloud it's in a concrete bunker why not just call it the server room and the server room i feel so bad for the guy like what happens if a hard drive fails or something so it's like some for some granted it's a kid's movie there's a heist component that sort of thing but honestly almost everything else beyond the server scene the heist and everything felt so realistic i mean give it five ten years this is amazon this is apple this is google this is facebook this is one of those companies yeah no i can totally see that i i actually um interestingly i i have a different issue with the movie so i really love the first algorithm i love the algorithm about trying to create these bots to create these virtual friendships and these connections online and building links and that part i found to be very very credible because i found that the algorithms at least felt superficially similar to exactly the kinds of algorithms that facebook used and so i was really loved the fact that they were able to present those algorithms in a way that my nine-year-olds could begin to understand the consequences of facebook if they really watched the movie i think they would they would learn something from it now my one beef actually comes just is right near the end of the movie as well but that there's some magical algorithm for true friendship that just suddenly gets uploaded to the server knew room that downloaded as an upgrade to all the bots in the world that was my one thing where i'm like oh god really that's how you can end this but i i forgive them because the movie needed an ending like their their heroes had to win the day it's a children's movie this couldn't be a tragedy there, there had to be a positive, uplifting mention, a view about real friendship and, and everything else. So other than that quibble, I, I think it was a great and very realistic movie. I found the robots to be very realistic. I found the approach, the business logic, all of this to be very, very credible. So I give it a four and a half out of five. Wow. And I only did like, yeah, no, this is, this is probably as, as high I'm going to rate <laughs> Any of our movies that we're likely to cover in the next year. Yeah, no, I, I think this was incredibly realistic. I was really shocked 
by, you know, as I'm watching these scenes and I'm seeing reflections of incidents that I know occurred in real life, things that happen in real life, and yet they've managed to distill this down into a movie that a nine-year-old can watch. Well, speaking of real life, we do have to get back to ours, and we do have to let our audience get back to theirs. So uh, you heard it from us. Ron's Gone Wrong. Fantastic film. Uh, watch it with kids. Watch it without kids. It's a really well-done film, especially uh, especially in the age of social media. Uh, speaking of social media, we're going to be posting things on Facebook, on Twitter, on LinkedIn, all the platforms. Uh, hopefully, you're listening to us on Google Podcasts, Spotify. Uh, we'll be on iTunes very shortly. Um, you can find us on Pandora. You can find us on Audible. Thank you so much for listening. If you're enjoying the show, like, share, subscribe, send to your friends. It's going to help us out. Anyway, for Kill All Humans, I'm Tim. And I'm Matthew. We'll see you next time. You know, the one thing that didn't bug me about this one was material science. I usually get a little twitchy about, uh, a little twitchy about, oh, well, the, 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 the material doesn't make sense. Like iRobot, I kind of went into that. But this one, it just felt like I could see these robots in the next five years. They're, they're, they're that realistic. Robots that will roll and remain upright. I mean, like people, you know, the, the stupid thing which you go around on two wheels. Oh, that segways. Segways. Segways, yeah. No, segways. Why should these robots work like segways? I thought, like, that part, I really liked that design of them. And I loved the whole... Even though I thought it was, like, really ridiculous to drive it, like, I love the whole And the fact that you can download now. Sai and the others are having a stake on University Avenue. Then they'll come back up to the office and start working on a settlement agreement to present to you. They're going to settle? Oh, yeah. And you're going to have to pay a little extra. Why? I now know everything about you. I know your underpants combust at a temperature of 232 degrees Fahrenheit, 17 degrees below the melting point of your inhaler.